changing. It is, it is a word that I believe will transform us. Um, it's a word that I've entitled consumed by the Spirit of God. I, I declare today that it is time for the body of Christ, the believers, you and I, to be truly consumed with the Spirit of God. We live in, in, in perilous times, don't we? We live in everything being canceled. We live in, we live in a crazy time frame in, in American culture, don't we? But what we need in this crazy time is Jesus. And we need the Spirit of God rising up in the believer to be the example of Jesus in the world. We need them to be the light of, in the world. We need them to be the encourager in the world. And it happens when you and I surrender ourselves to God and what he wants to do. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've come out quick this one too already. So I will challenge you today. The word of God is going to make you uncomfortable today. The word of God is going to make you think where you're at with your walk today. And it's all good. It's all needed. It's all needed. It's all needed. We can't preach fluff. We've got to preach truth. And with truth comes life-changing things because we're teaching and preaching what the gospel news says. And so the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, that our God is a consuming fire. My question today to our church family is have you been consumed with the fire of God? Have you been consumed by the fire of God? I love this because when we look at this particular verse right here, and it says he is a consuming fire, it's not saying he was a consuming fire. It says he is a consuming fire. In other words, he's present and active today, right now. It's not something that we read about in the Bible that he was at one time, but no, he's a consuming fire now for you and I. And he consumes us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I am human. And I have, and I have faults. And, I have, and I, have, I have some issues at, at, at times in life. So I need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the, 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 the comforter, the, the advocate, the promise that Jesus said he was going to send to his family, to his believers. I need him. And I declare, and I, and I so believe the body of Christ, the church in America needs the Holy Spirit. No, you're not getting it. The church of Jesus Christ needs the Holy Spirit. But he needs him to be moving and active. Not about stories about what we heard that he did in the past, but what he's doing now, right now, in the believer. But in order for him to be active, we have to surrender to him. In, Revel in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this. He says that we're to offer ourselves as living sacrifices because it's our act of worship. It's our act of worship. Now, if you know anything about sacrifices in the Bible, what would happen was they would be presented to God, right? And as a sacrifice was presented to God, God would come down from the heavens and consume the sacrifice. Church, we got to be consumed by God. Not consumed to death, but consumed that he fills us with the Holy Spirit, that we can be the light in a dark place. Are you consumed with God? Has God consumed you? 
Has the Holy Spirit consumed you, overtaken you, saturated you? Is the, is, is the Spirit of God dwelling within you? Is the Spirit of God active within you? Wow, Pastor, you're coming off vacation. I thought you were going to come in all warm and fluffy today. <laughs> I am. Because I'm teaching the truth. Why are you teaching or how do you know it's true? Because I lived in the world for a long time before Jesus came in. I know who I was and I know who I am today. Who I was is not who I am today. What was the changing factor? Jesus. And what added a, a whole new element was the Holy Spirit. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with the evidence of spiritual gifts, I'm a different cat. Totally different. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to receive the fullness of what God has. We have to open up our doors and be consumed by God in our church services. We can't, we can't run church and be believers by the minute, by a program. We gotta run church and we gotta be the church by the leading of the Holy Spirit in God's presence. Y'all with me today? Y'all with me today? All right. So what exactly will the consuming fire of God's Spirit do? What will it do? I'm so glad you asked me that this morning because I have the question, the answers to that question. The first thing that when you and I are consumed with the Spirit of God, you know what it does? It begins to separate and it begins to set us apart. What does it separate us and set us apart from? It separates us and sets us apart from the old person of who we should not be. It separates us and begins to sift through us and begins to remove it and, and make aware of those things that are against the standard of God, against the character of God, against the moral issues of God. And it begins to reveal them to us that we can begin to work them out and get them removed from us because they're contaminants. And so when we're consumed by the Spirit of God, as we lay ourselves on the altar and say, God, consume me, I lay, I give you as a, I'm giving myself to you as a living sacrifice. Do the, what you would will with me in my life, oh God. It begins to separate us, and then it begins to infuse us with his holy presence. And as his holy presence comes, it begins to release a power and a strength that you and I need to get through each and every day. We all have bad days. But the Holy Spirit helps us get through that bad day. The presence of God helps us get through that bad day. We're, we're, we're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad days. But when we're infused and we're set apart and the presence of God is releasing his power and his boldness and his strength and the encouragement needed, we get through that day. See, as we're consumed, this boldness is released into us. And as we're bold living as believers, what happens is we have the ability to live effectively the way God wants us to while spreading the good news of the gospel. A lot of people have not really heard the truth of the gospel. Some have heard a watered-down version of the gospel. Some have heard a, a, a version of the gospel that doesn't even line up with what the true gospel is saying. So they need to hear the true gospel being spread, and that comes through us as believers, and that comes through us when we have the boldness of the Holy Spirit. I said a few months ago, I said, we have to begin to say this. God, if you want me to go, I'll go. God, if you want me to say it, I'll say it. God, if you're not in it, I want no part of it. Amen. I want no part of it. I don't have the time to be a part of what you're not in. I don't want to conjure something up. God, is it you? 
I'm there. What should I say? I'll say it. Where should I go? I'll go. But if it's not you, if it's a, a great plan, a, a, an idea or something that's not, that you have not ordained or, 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 or checked off as saying we're going, I want no part of it. See, because that boldness helps to live accordingly and effectively. See, it's that Spirit of God within us. See, the Spirit of God, as is, is we're consumed with the fire, it begins to break the bondages that hold us back. We all have bondages, or we all have had bondages in our lives. And see, sometimes in our flesh, we can't break the bondage because we crave whatever it was, and we, we have a struggle with it. But the Spirit of God breaks the bondage because it overcomes that crave, that, that, that desire, that earthly thing that rises up within us. And the Spirit of God breaks that bondage, and it sets us free. It sets us free from the control of whatever it is. And what happens is when we're set free, all of a sudden we're not worried or fearful. We're not full of anxiety. <laughs> but, 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 but in the process of being broken and set free, all of a sudden this new strength and this new power and this new courage and boldness arises within us. Have you been consumed with the Spirit of God today? Have you been consumed by the Spirit of God? Have you been consumed? See, the Spirit provides a deeper experience with our personal relationship and worship of God. It takes us deeper and further in. It takes us deeper and further in. Have you been consumed by the Spirit of God? See, when the Spirit of God comes, what happens is he fills us with his presence. He begins to refine and purify us. And then he gives us a passion. It's the fire of God. Fire. You know, fire has a lot of symbols that we can relate back to God. You know that, right? It's, just, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. See, fire brings illumination, right? Do you ever sit around a campfire when it's pitch dark out? And you get it stoked up, you're burning it, and, you, and all of a sudden you can see everybody sitting around. You, you, ever, you ever been there before? Right? You can see everything. I got all bougie, I don't burn wood anymore. I got one of those gas fireplaces for outside. So I don't like smell after I'm done, you know, watching all the illumination take place as I talk to my family. But it illuminates, so it, 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 it lets us see something. And so when you and I are consumed with the Spirit of God, you know what happens? Our spiritual eyes become illuminated to what's happening around us. So instead of trying to navigate life in the natural sight of what we have, we begin to na navigate through life with the spiritual eyes that God has given us because something has woken up, something has been illuminated within us that's showing us what's happening around us. It shows you the truth or those things that are portrayed as truth that aren't truth that you all of a sudden you have this. That's not true because I've been illuminated to the truth because the light of the Spirit of God is showing me things that I've never seen before. See, fire warms. And as the Spirit of God comes, we begin to, and overwhelmed by the Spirit and the presence of God, there's a warming within us. You know what that is? That's the love and the mercy of God that you feel deep within our hearts. Because the Spirit of God brings a warmth to us. It, it, fire will melt. And we know what fire looks like because we had a devastating fire take place in the beginning of our ministry. We saw things all melted together. 
when we were going through the rubble pile of the sanctuary or the, of, the, of the classrooms and stuff. But see, as the Spirit of God consumes us, it begins to melt those things in our heart and around our heart that have been, been cold and frozen out to the things of God. Because we can, we, can, we can grow cold to the things of God. We can grow familiar with the things of God. But as the Spirit of God consumes us and the Spirit of God is activatedly moving within us, it begins to melt the hardness and the coldness and those things that we've allowed to become frozen for those things regarding God. Fire burns. It takes away impurities. It removes the sin and the desire for sin. That's what the fire of the Spirit of God does. Fire makes a big difference, doesn't it? In the natural, I had a little incident with fire over the weekend. I don't know what I was thinking, but I leaned back on my grill when it was like 450 degrees. And boom, there's the response of it. And I'm like, what any good husband would do, I ran in. Honey, you won't believe what just happened. What should I do? And she looks at me like with those eyes like, are you really asking me this? You're 53 years old. You don't know what to do? And she goes, go put some cold water over and get some ice on it now. So fire makes a difference, right? So now I'm like, okay, Holy Ghost, come on now. And so it's important for us as the body that we really are consumed by the Spirit of God. Do you know who, as I was, as I was going through this, I, I was like, Lord, what are, show me. Show me some good examples. Give me this. And he immediately took me to the disciples. He took me to the disciples. Pre-Pentecost. Pre-Pentecost, they weren't the guys they were post-Pentecost, right? Do you know what? Pre-Jesus, I wasn't the guy I am post-Jesus. Pre-no-Holy Spirit, I'm not the guy I am post-Holy Spirit. And pre-Holy Spirit, they were good, but they had issues. They doubted. They, they made rash decisions. They blurted things out. They were always jockeying for position to get to Jesus, right? Y'all been there before? But, but post-upper room, everything changed. L let me read something to you. You don't have to stand. I'm only going to read two verses. See, in Acts chapter 4, this is after Pentecost. This is after they, put, they prayed for the man at the gate. Beautiful. This is after that they were, they were, their hands were slapped and they were corrected or tried to be corrected for doing what the Lord wanted them to do. They, they get back to their brothers after being with the Sanhedrin and the, and the officials and, and they begin to tell their story of what took place. And, and listen to their response after all this took place. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your service. Grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness. I love that. Here they are. The possibility of jail, the possibility of going through all of this. Read, read, read Acts chapter 4 up to this. And their first response was, God, give us boldness that we can speak your word. They did not say, Lord, punish them. 
punish them right now because they did what they did to us as your sons and daughters. They didn't say that. They said, give us boldness to pray for them. And then it goes on and says this. It says, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be performed in the name of your holy son, Jesus. I love that. Not only did they say, give us boldness to pray, but then they said, Lord, whatever they're dealing with, whatever's going on, God, move in their lives that they would know you. Show them that you are true. (laughs) What an example for the church, right? I don't know if you're getting this. Well, you know, so-and-so, I can't believe them. They did us wrong. I don't ever want to talk to them again in my life. They talk bad about the church. They talk bad about the worship. They talk bad about the preaching. They talk bad about what... Lord, give us the boldness to pray. You spoke a little bit about last week. Give us the boldness, Lord, to release what you have for anyone and everyone. Church, we got to stop talking about each other. We got to stop talking about other churches. We got to stop talking about people who don't like us. We got to stop talking about and trying to tear them people. We got to start praying for them. We got to start praying for them that the Spirit of God would fall. (laughs) I think this is why some of the issues we have in the church. We're not praying for one another, we're not encouraging one another. We're not letting the Spirit of God fall upon each other. And, and, we're not, we're, and, and when the Spirit of God falls, we become judgmental. Well, that wasn't God. I know what they did on Friday. Who cares what they did on Friday? Look what God's doing on Sunday. God's restoring and healing. And maybe God's pulling them out of something that was held bondage, but they become consumed with God. So the bondage now is broken. So it's their first day to recovery, their first day to freedom, their first day to victory. I know it's a little rough, but I got to preach this today. Do you know why I, wanna, I need to preach this? Because churches are closing every day. Believers are walking away from their faith every day. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. The church should be the strongest institute in America. The church should be the place that everybody turns to when there's a need. The church should be a place where people turn to for encouragement. The church should be a place where we have friendships and relationships that are not broken up over something stupid that might have been posted on a social media post that was taken out of context. We need to be consumed by the Spirit of God. And these disciples asked the Lord for that, and then they said this, when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. Now they were filled again. They were now overflowing. There, there was a refilling. We, we got to refill with the Spirit of God. You know that, right? Has anyone ever bought a new car? And when you buy a new car, you get that tank full, right? Has anyone ever bought a car and drove their car till the tank was almost empty and then never refilled it again? No, seriously. Or if you have an electric car, if you have an electric car, see me because I want to take it for a ride to see what it feels like. But have you, ever, have you ever taken your battery all the way down and saw 
the power plug or saw the gas pump and says, oh, we'll be good. We don't need to recharge it or we don't need to refill it. No, you never do that. And just like that, we need a refilling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And so what will, you know, being consumed by the Spirit of God bring and do? What will it bring into our lives and what will it do to us? Well, the first thing that being consumed by the Spirit of God, it brings the actual presence of God to the inside. See, that's what we need. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God that will come within us, dwell in us, and dwell in the hearts of us as believers. See, and through the Spirit's dwelling, he begins to guide, and he begins to comfort, and he begins to lead, and he begins to encourage, and he begins to bring discipline when discipline is needed, and he, and he begins to clean us up. And he, This is what happens when the Spirit and the presence of God, because the Bible says that we are the temple of the living God, that we individually are the temple of God and the presence of God. We're the tabernacle which he would take residency up within. And I don't want God just visiting me. I don't want him just to pop in, you know, unannounced or even announced, hey, I'm coming, I'll be there for five minutes and I gotta go. I don't want God just to pop in and pop up. I want God to, to set, up, set up shop right here. I want him to come in on a daily, I wanna know that where I go, what I do, God is with me. Uh, whether it's a church thing, whether it's on the golf course, whether it's at a con, I wanna know that right now, where I am, that God is with me, that he's inside of me. Because the Bible declares in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, that we are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God, and he will make his dwelling and walk amongst us. we got to understand that. So being consumed by the Spirit of God means that his presence consumes us. It comes within us. Well, when does it come in? When does this Spirit of God, when does the Spirit of God come? It comes in and begins to dwell in the very beginning of salvation. It's the first step. See, because prior to asking Jesus in, God wasn't there. God wasn't inside of me. God was not there. God, when I went to Circle C camp at about 12 years old, I grew up in a Christian home, but God wasn't on the inside. My parents couldn't force God to be on the inside. I had to ask, G, I had to ask Jesus in. And at Circle C camp, I, I had the little green Gideon's Bible. It's, I could see it vivid as day. I was at my, at, my, at my cabin devotions, and we were sitting in a circle. We had like a teenager, college-age student uh, that was our leader, and we were reading John 6, 3, I think, John 3, 16. I think this is why this is my favorite Bible verse in all the Bible is because it was at that day, on a hot summer day in August. Uh, I don't remember the year. I was sitting in a circle, and I said, Jesus, come in. I need you, Jesus. And that was the first day that the presence of God came into this body. I was short. I was husky. I had long curly hair. I, I wore tough skins. I, I had no-name sneakers from Ames. Okay? But Jesus came in. Jesus came in. That was the first day that the presence came. And what's amazing is that's where it starts for anyone in here who has not been there yet and said that prayer. And then what happens is then we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is where we're immersed and we are overwhelmed by the Spirit. 
In my study Bible, it talks about how at salvation you have an empty container. And as you ask Jesus to come in, the, the, the container is filled. And so we see the presence of God in there. But then we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's like taking another container of clear water and you just begin to dump it over it. And all of a sudden, it gets filled to the brim. But then there's an overflowing, a bubbling, more of the presence of God consuming us. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am now immersed in his presence. I am now overwhelmed with his spirit. And with that comes the gifts of the Spirit, those things that we release as believers because we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then we always must remember we have to have that continual, continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Daily, we need the Spirit in every avenue of our, of our lives. And so this is how the Spirit comes. So the question is, is the Spirit living in you? Is the Spirit of God, has God taken residency up in you this day? Have you asked Jesus to come in? Have you said, God, you know what? I know I made some bad choices. I, I know that they, they're not what you want. I know they're against you. So I, I, I know that you will forgive them. And, I, and I, I ask you to come in and forgive me of what I've done. And I'm going to do my best to, to, to now walk this path accordingly. That's where it starts. Is the Spirit of God living in you? Is he? Because if not, I want to encourage you today to invite him in. To invite him to be a part of your life. We, you need him. How do you know I need him? Because I live life without him. I know what my life without him was like. And I also know when he was living there and I refused to let him be activated. So I know that even though he was there, I made him dormant. I, I made him sit on a shelf. I made him go away with certain friends. So I know the issues. So I, 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 living sacrifices are, are willing to just lay themselves down and say, God, whatever, consume me, whatever you want. Is the Spirit of God living in you? Because not only will he consume you, but when he comes in, this is, this is the tough part. When the Spirit of God consumes us, there begins a refining process, a purification, a purging, if you'd say it that way, of all the impurities. And see, the Holy Spirit's job is to remove the contaminants within us as he awakens us spiritually to those things. Now, I know a lot of people want to help other people. They're like, yo, yo, yo Pastor Christian, you got some issues, bro that you got to get taken care of by the Holy Ghost. I'm just here to reveal them to you, that, man, sinner, you got to deal with. No, that, that's not our job. My job is to stand next to my brother if he's going through, and he's not living in any way, so let me correct that on the screens and the TV, but it's to stand next to him. And as the Holy Spirit reveals what's going on, to walk along his side, encouraging him, lifting him up, praying for him, praying for his family. We, we don't need to be going around telling everybody what is wrong with them and what's going on. Now, the Lord may give us a word to share in private and in confidence with that person to encourage them, but it's the job. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins to reveal these things, these contaminants to us, and that because he leads us into all truth, right? The Spirit leads us into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit begins to produce truth in us, which begins to push us to purity, which begins to push us to a, 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 refining, a, a refining process. 
See, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, that we were washed, we were sanctified, we were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So as the Spirit comes in, there's a a washing, a a sanctifying, a, a justifying process that takes place for all of us. The best example of trying to explain this is a silversmith refining the silver down to its purest form. See, a silversmith will take chunks of silver and drop it in a vat and then take fire to heat up the vat. And as the vat heats and as the silver melts, what happens is all the garbage comes to the top. The silversmith wipes it off and continues that process till nothing else comes up. And that's what God does. He's the silversmith. The Holy Spirit's the fire. And as the fire's within us, all the stuff comes up. And God begins to remove it. And he still loves us as he's removing it. He's still not saying, look at you, dirty little sinner. I'm so upset with you. He's not saying that. He's saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. This is the greatest decision you're making right now. Let's, let's remove this struggle. Let's set you free from this bondage. Let's get you back on the course. Let my grace and mercy fall over you until we're beginning to refine and refine. And that's a daily process, too, because we're human, right? And we live in a fallen world, right? And I always say, we can get sideways quick. That's why we need the Spirit of God within us. And so it begins to purify our hearts. And, 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 and I think about the disciples again. It was Pentecost, which was their defining moment. It's Pentecost that we had a bunch of doubters and complainers and people jockeying for position who all of a sudden, after the Spirit of God consumed them in the upper room, all of a sudden they just went out with one purpose, to preach who Jesus was, to pray for people who needed prayer, to impact those who were in need. They just went out and they went out and they went out because a purification took place. We didn't hear, we didn't hear Peter saying, you know, or, you know, doubting anymore, did we? We heard Peter saying, you screwed up. You killed the Lord and Savior. We heard Peter saying, I don't have anything, but what I do have is Jesus. And if you take Jesus, he'll heal you. So we saw this whole transformation because in that upper room, there was a purification. Those who were fearful of, sh- of sharing who Jesus was were now proclaiming it in the open and in the courtyards and in the synagogues and anywhere they would go. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what it does. I love Isaiah. I read it again this morning. Isaiah is standing and he sees the Lord seated high upon the throne. And he goes, whoa, I'm undone. I'm a sinner standing in the eyes and in the presence of God. And then an angel, the Bible says, comes and takes a coal and puts it on his lips. And it cleanses him. And that's what God does with us. He cleanses us. He makes us clean. And then we try our best not to return. We try our best to move forward. And then the third thing is this. When we ask the question of what will being consumed by the Spirit of God bring and do in our lives, is it brings passion. The Holy Ghost brings passion to my life. I'm a passionate person. Besides the point, I mean, I'm passionate about almost everything in my life. Um, I'm in a fantasy football league in church. We have a church league. 
And I'm so passionate that I already started smack talking the other day about it, reminding them that I am the champ, that I might even let my eight-year-old nephew draft my team because I'll still win with him drafting a team, knowing nothing about football. So I'm passionate. I'm passionate about anything I get involved in. In the natural. But when the Holy Spirit came in, it took me to a whole new level of passion. See, because he brings passion in our lives about God, about the Spirit, about the Word of God, about worship, to a whole new dimension. That we're different people. That we're different people because God is the source of spiritual passion and the Holy Spirit comes and ignites that passion within us. Within us. Ignites it within us to share, to preach, to teach, to live life out loud. See, spiritual passion is having an intense desire and enthusiasm for God and for the kingdom and for kingdom ways. And it's sharing that and living that out out loud that others would see. It's not something that's static. It's not something that is lacking in movement or it's undesirable or stays the same. No, it's like a fire. It begins to spread. We become so passionate about Jesus that Jesus is, is, is everything that we have, everything that we need. And we're not afraid to talk about him. We're not afraid to live him out loud. I had a moment Wednesday evening. Sorry, that's my wire. That's God waking you all up. I had a moment Wednesday night. I went to a concert with a friend of mine at the stadium. Uh, one of our other friends couldn't go, so he gladly donated his ticket to me. And I'm an 80s child, so I went to an 80s rock and roll concert. Didn't sin, so don't say it was sinful going there. I didn't partake of anything that, I, that was there. I, didn't, wasn't, I, I went to watch a band play music. There's 40,000 people at the stadium throwing their rock horns up and everything else. And I had a moment as I'm standing there looking, watching, and I'm watching 40,000 people like clay in the hands of this band. They said jump, they jumped. They said throw up your hands, they threw up their hands. They said scream, they screamed. They said sing, they sang. And I had a God moment there. I'm not kidding, because I even made a comment, look at what's going on here, to my friend who is a, is a Christian. And I had a God moment. I'm like, God, why? Why can't the body of Christ be this so passionate about you? Why can't the church be so passionate like this about you? I mean, they came dressed up. They came painted up. I went in nice khaki shorts and a wicking shirt. <laughs> Didn't fit in at all. You know what I'm saying? Didn't fit in in that way. Didn't fit. And they're all in. They were so passionate. I, I had friends that I knew that went at 11 o'clock. They don't know Jesus, but I pray for them. They, they, they went at 11 o'clock in the morning for a concert that started at 4 and 4.30 and ended at 11. And they talked about it and they posted. My heart broke, not because of what I was seeing in the sense of these people. My heart broke because 
when we look at the church, we, church, we need passionate people that love Jesus. We need to be passionate about our Lord and Savior. We need not to be ashamed to talk about him. We need not be ashamed to pray with other people. We need not to be ashamed about to wear something that says Jesus on it. We need not to be ashamed to pray for somebody or pray over dinner at a restaurant when someone's watching you pray. Who cares if they're watching you pray over your dinner? You're giving God the glory and you're asking him and thanking him for the provision you're about to eat. They're passionate. They were passionate. And I sat there literally for about five minutes or so going, Lord, what will it take? What will it take? And I believe this is, can be part of the beginning that we as believers have to be consumed by the Spirit of God because when the Spirit of God comes over us, we're filled with his presence. He begins to refine us and take away out the garbage and put in those things that we need to live accordingly. And then there's a passion that comes on us that just continues to ignite us and excites us and we're not ashamed or timid of Jesus. That's what the world is looking for. Has anyone driven around Hamburg lately? The past like week? Has anyone noticed anything lately? There's a lot of people standing on corners, all dressed up, giving out pamphlets. Church of Jesus Christ, body of believers, brothers and sisters in the, in the faith, being consumed with the Spirit of God will deposit a passion within us that will give us the strength and the ability to rise up and take our place as the institution that God wants us to be. We, can, we cannot sit back. We cannot sit back. We cannot be lukewarm anymore. We have to be passionate because lukewarm is serving God in such a way that we don't offend the devil. Think about that. Serving God in a way that we don't defend, offend the devil. If I don't pray, I'm not offending the devil. If I don't tell my friends about Jesus, I'm not offending the devil. If I, if I stop and disconnect from church, I'm not offending the devil. Do you know what I mean when I say this? Do you hear where I'm coming from? But the minute that I become a prayer warrior, I offend the devil. The minute I preach everywhere I go and tell someone about Jesus, I offend the devil. Every time I make someone shake my hand, I show them Jesus so they can see what I can talk to them about. I offend the devil because he doesn't want others to know about the good news of the gospel. He doesn't want others to know about the presence that can be housed in them, how that the spirit of God can set them free from the bondages and all the lies that he tries to throw upon the body of Christ. It's there that he doesn't want to know that. If you get on fire for Jesus, things are going to be different. You can say amen. We're not called to be lukewarm. Christian, you can come up. I know it's hard. I know this message is in your face today. But we have to get to the point. There are churches closing. There are, there are pastors preaching a gospel that isn't even the gospel because they're afraid that their people will leave their church because they're offended by saying certain things. They won't talk about sin. They won't pray for people at the altar. They won't talk about the Holy Spirit. These are all life-changing things that must be talked about. Paul talked about it. Thomas, after his doubting state, talked about it. 
okay? Peter talked about it. Peter denied him, got restored, and says, you messed up. You killed the Christ. We have to. We have to become consumed by the presence of God. It's a must. Like we drink water and eat food for survival, we must be consumed by the Spirit of God. And when we're consumed, his presence takes residency within us. He begins to rid all the contaminants from us and helps us to get those out. And then he deposits a passion, a passion, a passion, a passion, a passion, a passion, a passion. So the initial question was this. We can stand to our feet this morning. The initial question was this. Have you, not not have you, are you consumed by the Spirit of God? Are you consumed by the Spirit of God? I want to pray with you for that this morning. I want to pray for you for that this morning. I grew up in the church, you know that. I would go to church, right? And my dad was preaching, and man, he was preaching. People were shouting. They had their three-piece suits on, ties. People were running across the front of the altar during prayer ministry. He was preaching the truth. He still preaches the truth, still lives the truth. And I sat in the back with my hands in my pocket, even though I accepted Jesus at Circle C Camp. But now I was in my teenage years. I was just kind of standing there looking all cool, or so I thought. Why were you there? Well, because my daddy was the preacher. We had some rules and regulations in the house, and I liked the roof over my head and food on the table and my clothes and stuff like that, and I respected and honored my parents, so if they asked me to do something, I did it. And then put up a stink, but I wasn't engaged until one day, until one day. It was the beginning. I ran down to the altar. I had jeans on, rolled bottoms because it was the 80s, came running to the altar, and I got prayed for. That was the first step of the process of being consumed. And so we can come to church every week and with our hands in our pocket and listen to the word, and, and we can do all those things. And, doesn't mean we're consumed. It wasn't until I said, Jesus, come in. Fill me. Forgive me. Help me. Purge me. <laughs> deposit passion within me. It wasn't until at that point things changed. So let me ask you this question. Now I had to go through a dying process. You need to understand something. If you say this prayer, there's a dying process that's going to take place. There's a lot of stuff that you're going to have to die to. You're going to have to die to your own agenda. You're going to have to die to your own wants and desires. At times, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice and give things up because God's asking you. There's, a lot of preachers won't tell you this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a dying process. 
when, it, when, it, when I took firm, a firm stand in the foundation of who I was, I lost half my friends. Half my friends, if not more, immediately I lost them. Because I would no longer participate in what they were doing. And that told me that I was only their friend because I did that, and that was scary. And that's okay, because God gave me better friends. Friends that are more like-minded, because iron will sharpen iron. So there will be a cost. But I, I, I thought about it years ago, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I was willing for the cost. So I ask you this question today. Have you been consumed with the Spirit of God? And if you have not been consumed, I would love to pray for you. I would love for you to walk down to this front of the stage and I would pray for you that the Spirit of God would consume you today, would begin to help break those things that you may be held bondage to, begin to fill you and take residency up within you and deposit a passion that is so uncontrolled beyond fire that people would be like, you're different. What is it about you? If that's you, just make your way down as we get ready to leave this morning. Anyone else? Clap for them as they come. Anyone else? Now, this is a big step. This is one huge, gigantic step. Anyone else? Anyone else? We're waiting. We're waiting. Anyone else? I will always tell you this is one of the reasons we come. We worship. We heard what God would say. And now we respond to what God is asking. That's the way it should be. Anyone else before I pray? All right, let's pray. Stretch your hands forward. To Father, I pray now. But even for those who are stirring within their spirit, man, wanting it, Lord, touch them where they're at. Father, fill them with your presence. Father, from the top of the head to the soles of their feet. Father, fill them with your presence. Let them know that you're there. And Father, bring that refining and that purification that is so needed in all of our lives as we live in this culture that we live in. And Father, while you're refining and taking residency up, God, let your spirit ignite a passion deep within us that God, we are so on fire for you, for the church, for the kingdom, for your ways, for your word, for, your, for worship, for prayer, for fasting. Father, come, touch us this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Hallelujah, you guys can be seated. I just have one announcement this morning before we take our offering, um, and that's for all the men. Um, they're having their yearly, their yearly outing um, this upcoming, well, not this upcoming uh, Wednesday, but Wednesday the 31st um, from 6 to 9 p.m. at Chestnut Ridge. Um, we invite all the men to come out to it. Uh, Mark, our men's leader, will be in the atrium after service to answer any questions. We're also inviting, uh, if you have boys, to come out um, and bring your, bring your boys with you. Let, let your young, young boys see godly men and be in the mix of what's 
you know, going on in the church. It's important that we raise up our young ones in the ways of the Lord. And so uh, any questions, you can ask Mark about that later on today. And so I hope you all come out. Uh, it's a great time. It's a great evening uh, just to spend time with one another. And so we're going to close uh, today's service with our offering. Our offering bowls are in the back of the church. So on your way out, you can uh, place your offering in our, uh, our offering uh, bowls as we receive it today. So, Father, thank you for this afternoon and this morning, God, for your word, for the power of your word, for what you're doing, what you're going to continue to do. Lord, thank you that lives that were filled with your presence. We're all going through this purification mode. And God, that passion is being deposited. And God, our, 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 our cry is, Lord, consume this place. Consume us individually, but consume this body of believers at both services, those who are with us this week and those who weren't able to be with us this Sunday. God, we thank you that you call us sons and daughters. And so now as we go, Father, we recognize the importance of your provision in our lives. And God, we do as the scripture says, we bring back the tithe into the storehouse. So Father, multiply it, bless it, let it overflow, that your kingdom would be continued to be built and your gospel continue to be spread throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I want to give the Lord a hand clap as we get ready to dismiss this morning. So God bless you. Uh, thank you for being here with us. Uh, and if you have any more prayer, myself, Pastor Scott, will be here to pray with you uh, this morning. But safe travels.